Amen. Good morning to everyone and Happy New Year. I told the church last week I was preaching at in Texas. I said I knew I was getting old when I didn't realize it was New Year's until 5.30 the next morning. Amen. And so how many of you went to sleep before midnight? How many of you? Yeah, we're getting old. Amen. Amen. So turn your Bibles this morning to Job chapter number 1. Job chapter number 1. Let me read quite a few verses as we start the service this morning. Job chapter number 1. And I want to preach on this subject this morning, on how to keep the fire while going through the fire. Paul told Timothy, there's a time to reprove, there's a time to rebuke, there's a time to exhort. And whether I do either one of those, I always want to be a help when I preach to God's people. But if today's message would fall under a category, it would be a message of help. This message may be one of those type of messages for you right now. You may not need it, but my dear friend, you will need it one day. And I want to help you this morning. Job chapter 1, look at verse number 14. The Bible says, And there came a messenger unto Job, and said, The oxen were plowing, and the asses feeding beside them. And the Sabaeans fell upon them, and took them away. Yea, they have slain the servants while the edge of the, with the edge of the sword, and I only am escaped alone to tell thee. While he was yet speaking, there came also another, and said, The fire of God is fallen from heaven, and hath burned up the sheep and the servants, and consumed them, and I only am escaped alone to tell thee. While he was yet speaking, there came also another, and said, The Chaldeans made out three bands, and fell upon the camels, and have carried them away, yea, and slain the servants with the edge of the sword. And I only am escaped alone to tell thee. While he was yet speaking, there came also another, and said, Thy sons and thy daughters were eating and drinking wine in their eldest brother's house. And behold, there came a great wind from the wilderness, and smote the four corners of the house. And it fell upon the young men, and they are dead. And I only am escaped alone to tell thee. Then Job arose and rent his mantle, and shaved his head, and fell down upon the ground, and worshipped, and said, Naked came I out of my mother's womb, and naked shall I return thither. The Lord gave, and the Lord had taken away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. In all this Job sinned not, nor charged God foolishly. Heavenly Father, Lord, we love you. And Lord, we certainly thank you, Lord, for first loving us. Thank you for saving us. Dear God, it's already been good to be in the house of God from the very first congregational song. Dear God, I pray today, dear God, I pray that you would speak to hearts only like you can. Dear God, I pray that you would encourage the discourage. I pray that you lift up the brokenhearted. And Lord, I pray most of all, if there be anybody lost, that you'd save them by the good grace of God. Lord, I understand that no one under the sound of my voice, they didn't come to hear from Chris Dallas, but Lord, they've come to hear from heaven. And Lord, I pray that that absolutely could happen here today. And we'll thank you for all that you do. In your name I pray, amen. Most of us in this room have heard the story of Job. If you've been in church any time at all, you've heard some reference to this man. 
We know by reading the book of Job about, we know about his character. Chapter number 1 and verse number 1 says that Job was perfect and upright. He was not sinless, of course, but he was complete and mature in his character. He was a man of integrity. We know about Job's family. Job was very prosperous in his family. The events that took place in Job happened during a time when having a large family was seen as a blessing from God. We also know about Job's friends. While it is true that his three friends hurt Job deeply and wronged him greatly, they were still called his friends. When they heard about Job's calamities, they traveled a long distance to visit him and they sat in silence as they sympathized with him. As you and I would read the book of Job, we find that in one day, Job was stripped of all of his wealth. One after the other, four messengers of doom reported that 500 donkeys, 300 camels were stolen in enemy raids. 7,000 sheep were struck by lightning and killed. And all 10 of his children were killed by a windstorm. Job heard from these messengers what happened. Job now knew what had happened, but Job did not know why it happened. And because the author of Job allows us to visit the throne room of heaven and hear God and Satan speak, we know who caused the destruction and why he was allowed to cause it. But if you and I did not have this insight, many of us would probably take the same approach as Job's friends and blame Job for the tragedy. Many people have heard about Job and we've heard about his trials. But many of God's people don't even understand why those trials, what those trials were all about and what God was trying to accomplish by giving us the book of Job. God was giving us an example in Job and all that he suffered so that you and I might learn from his experiences and how to be patient and continuing to live for the Lord even though we may go through difficult times in life. And even in troubles and trials or tragedy, we too can be like Job and say, but he knoweth the way that I take when he had tried me, I shall come forth as gold. There's no doubt that you and I would come to the conclusion after the reading the book of Job that he indeed went through the fire. Job went through difficult and discouraging times. And yet even though Job went through the fire, he still kept his fire for the Lord. I want us to look at three truths today about Job in introduction. First of all, look at Job chapter 1 and verse number 5. Job chapter 1 and verse number 5 the Bible says that it was so when the days of their feasting were going about that Job sent and sanctified them and rose up early in the morning and offered burnt offerings according to the number of them all. For Job said, It may be that my sons have sinned and cursed God in their hearts. Thus did Job continually. First of all, here in Job chapter 1 and verse number 5, we see Job worshiping at the altar. Here in verse number 5, Job is at the, that altar making a sacrifice for his children. Job would offer up sacrifices on that altar. 
I can see Job as he stands there on that day as the smoke rises up and that sweet smelling incense goes upward toward heaven. I can see as the smoke ascends up, Job's hands go up uh, with it and Job hits his knees and blesses the name of the Lord and worships, worships the Lord at that altar. I can imagine as Job bows there, he says, God, you sure have been good to me. God, you've given me a fine family. God, you've blessed me financially. God, there wouldn't be enough time in two lifetimes to praise you enough for all that you've done for me. Then Job begins to name his children one by one. He begins to beg God to forgive them for any wrong they have done. May I say at this time, worship comes easy for Job. Many of God's children, we sometimes we don't even give a thought about God until times of difficulty come. Oh, can I say there's been a lot of asking God for things at this altar, but I wonder how many of God's children have ever come down to an altar and said, God, I didn't come to ask you for anything. I just want to praise your name for how good you've been to me. Can I say we as God's children in America, we become so spoiled. We've gotten to the place where we say, Lord, I appreciate what you've given me, but Lord, just give me some more. Can I say in the good times, in the healthy times, in the financial stable times, we should take every opportunity to still worship God, but instead we just want more and more and more. We live in the most ungrateful generation that America has ever witnessed. I want to be like Job and worship God during the good times. And when the difficult times come, and can I say they will come, it will just be natural for us to still lift our hands toward heaven and say, God, I'm still going to worship you. Not only look at Job chapter 1, verse number 5, we see him worshiping at the altar. But look at verse number 21. This is after he lost everything. Job is back at the altar. Now we see not only was Job at the altar, not only was he worshiping at the altar, but number two, we see him worshiping in the aftermath. Look at verse number one. The Bible says and said, Naked came I out of my mother's womb, and naked shall I return thither. The Lord gave and the Lord had taken away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. In all this Job said not, nor charged God foolishly. We see Job worshiping in the aftermath. We find already four messengers of doom have come to Job's doorstep, one after another after another. And they brought Job's greatest fears upon his life. They tell him he's lost everything. They said, Job, nothing is left. All of Job's possessions are gone. All of his money is gone. But worst of all, all of his children are gone. Can you imagine? But instead of Job shaking his fist in the face of God, the Bible says that Job goes back to that place of worship. He rends his mantle. He shaves his head and he falls down and says, Naked came I forth out of my mother's womb. Naked shall I return thither. 
the Lord gave and the Lord had taken away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. May we all be reminded today that everything that we have is because God gave it to us. The reason we have clothes on our back, the reason that we have shoes on our feet, the reason that we have food on our table and blood that flows through our veins and a heart that beats, a bed to sleep in, air in the summer, a heat in the winter, a vehicle to drive, money in our pocket is because the God of heaven provided every single bit of it for us. And if God didn't do one more thing for us financially or physically, if we're saved by the good grace of God, we should still spend the rest of the days of our life on our faces thanking God that we're going to escape the fires of hell one day. Not only do we see Job worshiping at the altar, not only do we see him worshiping in the aftermath, but look at verse number, chapter number 2, verse number 7. Chapter 2 and verse number 7. We see now Job worshiping in the ashes. Look at verse number 7. The Bible says, So went Satan forth from the presence of the Lord and smote Job with sore, sore boils from the sole of his foot unto his crown. And he took him a potsherd to scrape himself withal, and he sat down among the ashes. I got to wondering where those ashes came from. Usually if there are ashes in a place, that means that at one time a fire burned there. The ashes are the residue of something that at one time was blazing with a great flame. And now that fire has grown cold. This is, something but, this is nothing but the remnant of what was left. I can see in my mind's eye as Job walks out of his house and he heads up to that place of worship once again. But this time it's quite different than it was when in the, in the beginning of chapter number one. Job now gets to that altar, that place of worship. And I can see Job as he looks towards heaven and he tells the Lord, Lord, I don't have anything to offer you this time around. I don't have a bullock I don't have a lamb to offer you. Lord, I don't have a ram. Lord, it's all gone. I don't have a drink offering. I don't have a meat offering. I have nothing to offer you. But Lord, here I am. I am all I have to give. I'm down to nothing but me, Lord. This is the only sacrifice I have. I'm stripped down to nothing, so here I am. God, will you take me as the sacrifice today? And may we be reminded, Paul instructed us, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, wholly acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. May I say today, there will be times in life when difficulty and discouragement and despondency will come, and your fire for God and the things of God may grow cold. Your place of worship may grow cold. Everything around you will turn to ashes. and It may seem like you've been stripped of everything, it's in those times God's just wanting you. I'll never forget in March of 2020 when 10 meetings were completely wiped off my calendar. Those first few days as I would walk by that spare bedroom where I would always put my empty suitcase 
For those first few days, I would go to my prayer closet and I would ask God to somehow, some way, let me pack that suitcase again and travel the country and preach the word of God. And after a few days of praying that prayer, that still small voice of the Holy God, the Holy Ghost, began to whisper in my ear. He said, more than I want to fill your suitcase, I want to fill you. Can I ask my ask us myself? Can we ask ourselves this morning, my friend? When's the last time we just put ourselves on the altar? I'm not trying to be the bearer of bad news. I'm not trying to be all doom and gloom. But every one of us are just one phone call away from our entire world being turned upside down. And the question is not, will you and I, as God's child, go through difficult times? That's not the question. The question is, what will we do when we do go through the difficult times of life? What God is wanting is a Christian who will go back to that place of worship. A Christian who will go back to that place where the fire was once raging and lift our hands toward the heavens and bless the name of God. I want you to look at Acts chapter number 9 with me very quickly. Look at Acts chapter number 9. After we go to Acts chapter number 9, I want to give us four truths in closing that will help keep the fire for God while going through the fire. Look at Acts chapter number 9. If, you, if you're a Bible student at all, we all know that this is what we would call the Damascus Road experience where that Saul of Tarsus was issuing out threatenings and slaughters against that early church. We, we understand that he saw that great light shine around about him there on Damascus Road. He got saved by the grace of God. And then God put two people in, in, in Paul's life uh, uh, to take him back to Jerusalem, uh, Ananias and Barnabas. Uh, and I want you to look and see what God told Ananias about Paul. I want you to look at verse number 16. Uh, look at Acts chapter number 9, verse number 16. God told Ananias this about Paul. The Bible says, For I will show him how great things he must suffer for my name's sake. You know why we never see Paul throwing in the towel? You know why we never see Paul uh, using the word quit? I'm talking about after all the stonings. I'm talking about after all the beatings and after being thrown in prison and all the shipwrecks. The reason we never see Paul saying I quit, but the reason we do see him say, I'd rather glory in my infirmities. I fought a good fight. I finished my course. I've kept the faith because Paul knew that it was ordained by God for him to go through the difficult times he was going through. Child of God, can I tell you, my friend, you and I will go through difficult times, but it's not for us to quit. It's not for us to throw in the towel. It's not for us to recant. It's time to put our pegs down and say, I'm still going to serve God. I'm still going to live for God. I'm still going forward for God. Even though I'm going through difficult times because, my friend, God will get us through those difficult times so we can help somebody else down the road when they face the same difficult times. Four truths, very quickly, that will get us, that will keep us on fire while going through the fire. Turn your Bibles to Jeremiah chapter number 20. Jeremiah chapter number 20. You take a breath, I'm going to take a drink of water just real quick. Look at Jeremiah chapter number 20. Look at verse number 7. Can I say, remember God's book. Remember God's book, point number one. Look at verse number seven. Jeremiah said, O Lord, 
Thou hast deceived me, and I was deceived. Thou art stronger than I, and hast prevailed. I am in derision daily, everyone mocketh me. For since I spake, I cried out, I cried violence and spoil, because the word of the Lord was made a reproach unto me, and a derision daily. Then I said, I will not make mention of him, nor speak any more his name. But his word was in my heart as a burning fire shut up in my bones. And I was weary with forbearing, and I could not see. Say, can I tell you, my friend, the word of God will give you the fire for God even while you're going through the fire, amen. We, we see here the prophet Jeremiah is at the point of wanting to quit and turn his back on God and, and what God he called him to do. Uh, he's fed up with no one else uh, else's concern for the backseat condition of the nation. He's tired of the message that he's proclaiming from God going upon deaf ears. Uh, he's tired of being lied about and mocked. He's been to his last prison. He's been thrown in the stocks his last time for the gospel's sake. And Jeremiah even got to the place where he said he wasn't even going to mention the Lord's name anymore. But oh my friend, Jeremiah remembered the word of God and how it was a burning fire shut up in his bones. And because of that fire, he could not and would not stay in that discouraged mindset. Can I ask you this morning, has your fire grown cold because of troubles? Has it grown cold because of trials or difficulty? Are you at the point of you're wanting to quit or give up because of your circumstances? Perhaps you're like Job and you feel that all around you are ashes. Can I encourage you to let the word of God stir those ashes in your life and begin a fire? Can I tell you, my friend, what you ought to do tomorrow morning is turn the television set off and turn the news station off and find out what it is to get in that Bible and come Tuesday morning, get in that Bible and put another log on the fire, amen. And before you know it, that discouragement and that difficulty and that fear will be in the rearview mirror. But you'll have a full blaze bonfire burning down deep inside your soul. Child of God, during the difficult times, it's not time to watch Dr. Phil. It's dead sure not time to watch Oprah. It's time to let the Bible do its work and be a lamp in our feet and light in our path. I believe with all my heart this morning that Bible right there that had enough power to bring conviction upon our soul and save us by the grace of God is the same Bible that has power to calm the storms of our life as well. Not only remember God's book, but second of all, turn your Bibles to James in chapter number four. James in chapter number four. Preacher referenced it in Sunday school. Not only remember God's book, but number two, remember God's beckoning. The Bible says in James chapter 4, verse number 8, draw nigh to God, and he will draw nigh to you. In other words, if you'll take one step towards God, God will take one step towards you. If you'll take two steps toward God, God will take two steps towards you. If you'll take off running towards God, God will take off running towards you. Think about it with me, that prodigal son. He went to his father. He demanded his inheritance. He went out there to the far country, which is a picture of the world. He learned very quickly, Brother Young, that there wasn't anybody out there in the world that cared about him like the father did back at home. 
The Bible said he wasted his substance with righteous living. And it said he would have eaten of the hush the swine did eat. And finally in that hog pen, the God of heaven got a hold of him and he came to himself and he said, how many hired servants had bread enough in spare, and I perish with hunger. I'll go to the father's house and I'll make myself as one of thy servants. You understand the, the father never left the father's house. They came out there to the far country but as soon as that prodigal son began to journey back to the father's house, the Bible says the father saw him a great way off. He ran, he fell on his neck and he kissed him. Can I say today, maybe there's somebody here that you're saved by the grace of God, but you've wrecked and ruined your life because of sin. Can I tell you, my friend, I don't care how far you are away from God. If you'll turn back to God, God will turn back to you. I was conducting my addictions outreach about a year or so ago. There's a fellow that came in the service that night, and I hadn't seen him in six months worth of classes. And in his words, Brother Dallas, my whole life's falling apart. I haven't had any business, and because of that, I'm losing, about to lose my house, and my wife and kids are about to pack up all their stuff. They're about to leave. He said, I, I, I'm losing everything, and I just feel like God's left me. I said, God didn't leave you. I said, the Bible says he'll never leave us nor forsake us. I said, if you'll turn right back around, God's right where you left him. Not only remember God's book, not only remember God's beckoning, but third of all, I'll tell you what will keep me fired up and will keep you fired up, child of God. Number three, remember God's children won't burn. We won't burn. The Bible says that before we were born again, we were in an awful condition. The Bible says in Romans 3.23, for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. The Bible says because of that sin, there's a penalty. It's death in a place called hell. The Bible says in Romans chapter 6, verse number 23, for the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. And the Bible says if a person dies physically without knowing the Lord Jesus Christ spiritually, they'll die and go to a place called hell. And can I tell you, the Bible says in Revelation 20, verse number 14 and 15, and death and hell were cast into the lake of fire. This is the second death. And whosoever was not found written in the book of life was cast into the lake of fire. But I thank God my Bible goes on to say, but God committed his love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Thank God for whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. I like that word whosoever. It means all. It means anyone. It means everybody. Thank God today, red and yellow, black and white, they're all precious in God's sight. And thank God, August of 1998, I bowed my head, I bowed my heart, I called on God to save my soul. And I'll tell you how I keep the fire because I know that I'm fireproof, amen. Praise God for that, amen. Number four, and very quickly I finish. What will keep the fire while going through the fire? Not only remember God's book, remember God's beckoning, remember God's children can't burn. And number four, what will keep the child of God fired up, not just the first of the year, but all year long, is remembering God's burden. And God's burden is found in 2 Peter 3 and verse number 9. The Lord is not slack concerning his promise as some men count slackness, but as long-suffering to us were not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. 
Brother Dallas, why do you travel 70,000 miles a year? Why do you live most of your life out of a suitcase and sleep in a different motel room every week of your life? Why do you kiss your wife goodbye on most Saturdays and don't see her again until Wednesday? I'll tell you why, because there's a hell. And I want my burden to be the same as God's burden. And that is that, that, that no one would perish, but that all would come to repentance. And child of God, can we be reminded, getting the gospel out doesn't just lie on, a, on the shoulders of a few in the church house. If you're saved by the grace of God, if I'm saved by the grace of God, it lies on every one of our shoulders to tell somebody about Jesus. And Christian, if your fire has grown dim, I'll tell you what you ought to do. You ought to get busy on a bus route. You ought to carry some gospel tracts. Show up for soul winning. Take a meal down to the homeless mission. Go with Brother Swartz to the nursing home. Just go out and tell somebody about the Lord Jesus Christ. Maybe, just maybe this morning, there's somebody or a few somebody from the sound of my voice. You just live in constant frustration. You live in constant uh, uh, just difficulties and fear and just and, and you just don't know you just don't know who to turn to. I'll tell you who you are to turn to. You are to turn to God. There's one thing that I know about every single person in this room this morning. It was the same condition I had before I met Jesus. We all have an empty void inside of us before we meet the Lord Jesus Christ as our Savior. I don't know what you try to fill your empty void with, but I know what I try to fill mine with. It was everything this world had to offer. But nothing in this world can fill that empty void. There's only one that can fill that empty void. It's Jesus. Let me give you the gospel from Genesis to Revelation in 30 seconds. First of all, we see the creation of man. That man's name was Adam. God gave Adam a commandment. He said, Adam, he said, you can partake of everything in the garden except for the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Because the day thou eatest thereof, thou shalt surely die. He gave Adam a companion. Her name was Eve. We find that serpent came, comes over in Genesis chapter number 3 and begins to question, begins to deny the word of God. Eve partook of the fruit. She did give to her husband and he did eat. And we find that the call the compromise of man. And because Adam partook of that sin, condemnation fell upon man. And the Bible says, wherefore is by one man sinner into the world and death by sin. And so death passed upon all men for that all have sinned. And because of Adam's sin... He made every man, woman, boy, and girl from that day to this day. All of us are sinners because of that one man's sin. We see the creation. We see the commandment. We see the companion. We see the compromise. We see the condemnation. But thank God for the compassion of the Master. For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son that whosoever believeth in Him should not perish but have everlasting life. I ask you, do you know that you know that you know Without a shadow of a doubt, no ifs, ands, and buts about it, Jesus Christ is your Savior. Stand with me, if you would, all across the building. Our heads are bowed, our eyes are closed all across the building. I don't know what your need may be this morning. Your fire may have grown cold. Maybe everything's going fine for you right now. The bill, there's money to pay the bills. The car's running fine. Kids are behaving. Everything's going good for you. But the last time you went through a difficult time, you didn't handle it in the right manner. Whatever your case may be, if you're here this morning, you don't know the Lord Jesus Christ as your Savior, or if you are saved and you've never been baptized, or you need to become a member of a local New Testament church, we invite you as the pianists begin to play this morning. As I pray, Heavenly Father, we pray that you bless the message. We'll thank you for it. In your name, I pray.